Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 60, which begins with Max complimenting the Grease Rat's motorcycle, and it ends with Toe Cutter grabbing the Grease Rat's nose. That's a great ending. Oh, it really is. I know we complained a lot about Toe Cutter yesterday, about how he's a despicable human being, but mm, as much as you hate him, he sometimes he just does something he's, that's like, oh, yeah. Toe Cutter. <laughs> As a character in a movie, it's hard to stay mad at you. <laughs> yes. Yes, so it is. we start this minute pretty much on a close-up of a motorcycle. And I couldn't help but notice it's a Kawasaki Z1000. And it's in no. near pristine condition. And You think it's their spare? I'm pretty sure it's the spare that they just held on to just, just in, in case. Just in case. And so it would make sense because you would keep the pristine, pretty-looking bike front and center... So that way you could say, hey, Kawasaki, look at this awesome product placement we did for you. Thank you for letting us borrow all these motorcycles. Right. Oh, borrow. <laughs> oh, you wanted them back in great condition? Well, about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think uh, they said they, they, they were able to give them back like three or four. Yeah. Nowhere near as many as they yeah. originally gave them. But I like how Max straight up says that, oh, you must have spent some coin. Like he's marveling at the fine craftsmanship and value of this motorcycle and so grease rat responds quite proud of himself just beaming like the sign says speed's just a question of money how fast do you want to go which sure looks fine on a sign but as like a spoken catchphrase or motto it's a little greasy drawn out way too long in my opinion yeah and it's a little it's a little um Part of that culture of vehicle equals status and money mm-hmm. that I don't enjoy. Yeah. I mean, some people do, and that's fine, but I don't. I kind of see it as sort of a Venn diagram that exists where you've got quality, speed, and price. And you can only have two of those out of the three. If you want it to be done quick and at a high quality, well, you're going to end up paying a lot. If you want something a high quality for a good price, well, it's going to take a long time. Yeah. You know, things like that. It's the the triangle of having something done for you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's an official title of this little diagram, but it relates exactly back to this thing where, yeah, if you've got a lot of money, he'll work fast. But if you don't have a lot of money, you know, it might take him a little bit longer or if you oh, don't oh that's what you mean that's what i meant because oh. it's hanging on the side of the, the mechanic well, shop yeah but i read it differently okay i read speed as in the speed of your vehicle not the speed of work well that also applies too yeah like if you want a fast vehicle you're going to end up paying more you're because pay the, through the nose for it the engine is going to be bigger or it's going to be of a more fine-tuned quality yeah um i found it interesting that max is checking out this motorcycle because we never see him check out a motorcycle before. We never even see him ride a motorcycle. No. So we have no indication that he is at all interested in motorcycles. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if this is... He's thinking of Goose. Because Goose did ride something identical. Yeah. He rode two identical bikes. 
pretty much with just cosmetic changes that he that max is is checking out this bike because goose can't mm-hmm. and it's just a little this little exercise is for him and his grieving process reminds him of his buddy yes i kind of see it where it's max specifically marveling at it is that Going back to the product placement thing, the hero of your film is marveling at this product. At this product. Even though he's not usually associated with motorcycles. (laughs) Like he's drinking a Coke and going, oh, so refreshing. Exactly. Although it would be a solo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because that's the thirst crusher. Yes. The thirst is crushed. Sufficiently crushed. (laughs) (laughs) So also in this moment... Grease Rat is holding Max's dog. Yeah. And it's super awkward. Yeah. You know what he should be doing? Working on the tire. I know. Where's the tire? Like, in the time that Jesse took to drive down to the beach, complete her transaction, evade the bikies, and get back to the mechanic shop, like, it's as if no time has passed for the guys. Yes. Like, they're sitting there shooting the breeze when Max should be waiting outside with the dog as the grease rat is inside working on the tire. Yes. Like, he should be doing his job. Yeah. In the sense of the movie, the grease rat is holding the dog because the dog needs to be close by for what's about to happen. Max grabs the dog and jumps in the car. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that if the grease rat was not holding the dog and the dog was out somewhere running around the cars and exploring and marking his territory would they have left without the dog oh i think so yeah i mean well they just got the dog so it's not like they were attached to it emotionally yeah i mean we see the dog when they buy it and then we see the dog when they stop for the tire yeah do we see the dog like once they get to the house do we see the dog ever like running around the yard Mm -hmm. or anything like that okay yeah but at the same time it's like the it's it's, if the dog were left behind in the junkyard it wouldn't have been yeah it wouldn't have been awful. No. Probably better for the dog in the long run. Yeah, I don't think the grease rat would have... Although he seems to have some affection for the dog. He's yeah. holding the dog. The grease rat strikes me as the kind of guy that actually would appreciate having a dog around. He does seem to need companionship. Something to talk to instead right. of just himself. Right. We do see that even when he's alone, he's talking. Mm-hmm. So maybe he does. he needs a dog. Yeah, we'll see that firsthand yes. this minute. But So Jesse flies in. Yeah. She she pulls in and she yells out the window without even parking the car. She just yells, Max, quick, get in. And Max is like, well, what's wrong? Yeah, what's wrong? Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. And it's like he can't... I feel like he's a little slow on the uptake here. Yeah, he can't surmise from her tone and, and the her... the speed at which she came in and, yeah, that something's wrong, do what she says. Something is up. And he's just like... He questions her twice. He's like, what's, what's wrong? What about the tire? It's like, forget about the tire. And she's just pleading with him, let's just take my word for it, get in. Yes. So she has to say, Max, quick it in. What's wrong? Just take my word for it, get in. Well, what about the tire? Please, Max. And it's like, it takes that third request before him to actually grab the dog and get into the, the van with her. I do very, very much appreciate that it took him a little while, but he sensed her urgency and took on that urgency for himself. Mm-hmm. The The way that he grabs the dog, opens the door, climbs in, his his adrenaline is going now. Yeah. I mean, we can, we can sit here and we can say, oh, he was a little slow on the uptake. Why didn't he just get in the first time? But the level of... Excitement's not the right word, but the level of adrenaline that Jesse is running with right now versus the level of adrenaline that Max is running with right now. Oh, so different. 
And even for us, mm-hmm. we saw what Jesse went through. Our adrenaline is going a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we jump back to Max and we get a we get a little taste of what he's been doing for the last however long he's been there, 20 minutes maybe. That they're just chatting and shooting the breeze and looking at motorcycles and talking about cars and just relax and hanging out. He's like low key and Jesse is like way up here and we are way up here with Jesse. Mm-hmm. So, so to us, we're like, we're like, Max, just hurry up and get in the car. Like we're, we're right there with her. Just get in the car. Don't worry about why. Just listen to her and get out of there. Yeah. You guys need to get out right now because yes. you don't know how close they are. Yes. And so in the, in the grand scheme of things, the shot where Jesse stops the van and yells at Max until the point when Max actually gets in the car, it's only about... Six or seven seconds. It's not that long. In yeah, span if of he time. had like listened to her on the first plea, how much? How much would they have saved? Yeah, maybe and I like mean, it's four not five seconds, and it's not like toe cutter catches up with them. Exactly. It's not like they get run down, and five seconds would have made a difference. Mm-hmm. They still got away. Yeah, and they got away with the dog and everything. And, yeah, just plenty of head start. Yes, um, they did fine. What they leave behind, of course, is the, the tire. tire. Which, the grease rat, who, as we mentioned, like, was never interested in the tire. And even when Jesse left, he was just sitting there looking at the motorcycle and whatnot. It's like, he wasn't actually doing his job. And as soon as Jesse pulls up and they start leaving, like, for reals, suddenly he's all concerned about the tire. And it's like, dude, why weren't you working on it already? Yeah. Like, this chatty Cathy here, like, the reason he probably doesn't get too much business is because he doesn't do good work. Because he didn't actually do anything. Exactly. He just wants the company, I guess. I mean, if anything, you know, he should go into a different business. Stop being a a mechanic in the middle of nowhere and start being a call-in radio host or something like that. (laughs) Plenty of company there. Yeah, really. I'm just... I'm really disappointed in the overall quality of the workshop experience <laughs> that Max and Jesse have had as customers. And Are you going to leave them a not great review on Yelp? If Yelp existed in the Mad Max universe, I would have given this mechanic like zero stars because he just wasted their time. Yeah, he did. You know. Now, on the other hand, it can be said that they wasted his time. They didn't. They didn't pay for the work. They didn't pay for the time that they took up his time. Yeah, well... And they didn't because he didn't complete the work. But to that I say, they were always on task. They showed up, here's the tire, we need this tire fixed. Yes. And they had to keep pulling him back on subject. Yes. You know, they pull up, Max pulls down the tire. It's very obvious they have a tire issue. And he's all looking at the car, asking about the engine. And then it's like, even after they leave... You know, he's holding the dog and they're over looking at the motorcycle and getting all distracted. And it's like, it's not Max's job as a consumer to keep the grease rat definitely not on task. Like, it would be better, in my opinion, if at the end of the scene, as they're speeding away in the car, to have the grease rat pour out of the shop with, like, tools in hand. Be like, hey, come back. You haven't paid for the work I've done on your tire. Right. Why are you leaving your tire behind? Yeah. You know, because then we would see that he was actually then working on it. he was actually it. working on it. Here, he's like, hey, your tire. Why are you leaving without your tire? And it's like, well, first of all, you haven't tried to fix it at all. Yeah. It It's interesting comparing this mechanic to mechanics that you and I have encountered. And especially the bills that we have encountered. 
the price for labor is a good portion, if not most, of the price that you pay. Oh, absolutely. A mechanic's time is valuable, and their skills are very, very valuable. And this portrayal of a mechanic throws that completely out the window. Oh, yeah. He doesn't... He ma- his time is cheap, and because he's got plenty of it. And he is in absolutely no rush to actually complete the job. And I think it's a poor representation of his profession. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, 100% agree. Jesse and Max fly off. Oh, yeah. Kick up dust all the way down the road. They are gone. They're gone. And Grease Rat yells after them a little bit. And then he says, crazy people. The world's full of crazy people. The way he said that (laughs) reminds me of myself Mm -hmm. when I have done something not nice like um like when I'm rude to a uh, cashier. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, of course, I feel bad because that's not a nice thing to do. And I try and justify it to myself in my head. Like, I was rude because they didn't do their job correctly because they, you know, put one item in each bag and now I have to carry six bags instead of carrying two bags. You know, stuff like that. I, like, try and justify it in my head. Mm-hmm. And it... It almost sounds like he's trying to justify it in his head that these people are crazy. Therefore, he's allowed to act the way he's acting. Yeah, he's allowed to be upset that they're leaving the tire behind even though he hadn't started working on it. Right, because they're crazy people and the world is full of crazy people. Yeah, it's like it's not that he's com- I like I feel like he's not commenting on the general state of the world. He's just like trying to justify his laziness. Maybe. You're like these people are in a rush because they're insane. They're not in a rush because anything bad is happening or, you know, I'm not delivering a product within their timetable. Yes. But I do find the the statement crazy people, the world is full of crazy people, to be a very good description of kind of the Mad Max world. Yes. That even the normal looking people are still, you know, crazy at times. Like we saw firsthand how crazy Goose got when, you know, the court officials came to let Johnny go. He went from the normal cool Goose to the guy that was going to beat everybody up. Mm Mm-hmm. Who was going to take on everybody. Yeah. And so... It's interesting that saying that the world is full, it's kind of making the thesis statement that no one is really sane. Which just becomes more and more true as we get through the series of movies. Yeah. You're going to be able to, I believe, look at roughly all <laughs> roughly all of the characters <laughs> in these movies. And see a level of madness. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but like you said, this is classic example of him just talking to himself. Talking mm-hmm. for the sake of talking. Yeah. And... I can't badmouth the idea. I was going to ask. Out loud. I was going to ask when you're alone and you know you're alone, do you talk to yourself out loud rather than thinking? So I talk out loud to myself because I'm a very auditory person. Mm-hmm. I'm all about hearing things and whatnot. When I hear things, I remember them better. And so I will be walking down the hallway at work and I will be verbally listing out the things that I'm leaving my office to do. You know, I've got this project here that I'm going to take care of and then I'm going to move on to this at this location and whatnot. And I'm pretty sure the people that work in that same hallway that I do are probably <laughs> sick of it. But just hearing it out loud helps me remember. Like yes. That's just how I am. Right. And people will call me on it and be like, Rick, why you always talk to yourself? And I have a great canned response where I say, well, I talk to myself because I crave intelligent conversation. Ooh. That's my favorite one. You have an office mate. Yeah, but 
she never asks why I talk to myself. She's learned better. Yeah, I, I hope... Yeah. If she does, please promise you won't say that response to her. I can't promise that I haven't already said oh, that geez. response to her. <laughs> I don't talk to myself out loud, generally speaking, because I am so paranoid about somebody hearing me, which is funny that I'm putting my voice out there for the whole entire world to listen to if they care to. But yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't like putting myself out there for the world. Like this is doing, doing a podcast is, is an exercise for me. And mm. I'm learning a lot about myself doing this. It does not come naturally the way it comes naturally to you. Yeah. I'm much more used to talking authoritatively about things. Yes. Yes, you are. Just because of what I do day in, day out. Yes. Um, I should be in what I do, <laughs> but I'm not. But like you said, it's it's a learning experience and an exercise. Yes. And I did kind of push you into this. <laughs> it's been a good thing, though. Exactly. It's been fun so far. It's been growth. Exactly. Yes. And there's plenty more of it. Oh my, yes. So as the grease rat is talking about how the world is full of crazy people and talking to themselves, he kind of leans up against his shop and he starts to hear motorcycles. Yes. Before the motorcycles come in, though, the way he leans up against the shop, I feel like he's returning to his post. Yeah. Like that's like to... that's like his spot when he's not doing anything else. And he's not doing anything else, so he returns to his spot. Mm-hmm. So he hears the motorcycles coming. Yep. And he kind of leans around the corner and he sees two motorcycles. It's Toe Cutter and Bubba. Yes. They are the only ones out of the group that have decided to follow the, the van. Yes. And it kind of begs the question, so the other lieutenants have stayed behind. It can be assumed that they're taking care of Kundalini. Yes. It, at first I was wondering why it was just the two of them. And I it didn't occur to me that the others might be taking care of Kundalini. But thinking about it, it occurred to me that being a group of outlaws, they probably don't have access to emergency services. Mm -hmm. They can't just call an ambulance to come help out Kundalini, who has sustained a very serious injury. Oh, yeah. The fact that he's alive and he doesn't bleed out is a little bit miraculous. Yeah, you definitely get the sense that they, they acted quickly. Yes. So, uh, let's see. There's eight of them total, but Johnny's not there, and the other two left, and Kundalini himself. So there's like four so people. There's, so there's four people attending to him. Mm-hmm. And if they are used to living this lifestyle, they probably have experience taking care of maybe more along the lines of broken bones or gunshot wounds. But there's a decent chance they might be relatively skilled at this. Yeah. So with four of them looking after Kundalini, I mean, we know that he survives at least for a little while. So they did a pretty good job. Yeah. And he's never going to go back to 100% or anything like that. He yeah. looks pretty sickly when we see him next. Yeah. So it's probably not, you know, surgeon quality. Right. The only one in the lieutenant's group that actually seemed to be anywhere interested in something along those lines was Kundalini when he said that he could have been a surgeon with those hands <laughs> back on the beach scene. That's right. But well, yeah, he they, will never be a surgeon. So they probably tried to wrap up his arm best they could. They probably sterilized it with alcohol. They probably... Did all of these really crude things <gasps> right. to clean it up. And... But even, I mean, their first focus would have been to stop the bleeding. Right. Which, stopping the bleeding like that, it's not It's not like a cut where it's going to, you know, coagulate on its own. 
this this is the type of thing that needs stitches and proper medical care. So they're going to do their best to stem the bleeding. But there's so much after that that needs to happen, like mm-hmm. infection and shock. And so if the if he doesn't bleed out, he's going to die in some other way. But they at least they at least prevent that for a little while. Right, right. Yeah, I am not 100% sure what Kundalini's ultimate fate is at this point, which really we don't need to answer because we're not at the end of the movie. No, Certainly and I'm not. sure that in our analyzing minute to minute, we will find, which is the, the joy of our existence here, we will find little clues here and there that lead us to some conclusion mm-hmm. on his ultimate fate. Absolutely. So, like we said, Bubba Zanetti and Toe Cutter mm-hmm. riding up the dirt road, and they come to a stop next to the grease rat who's kind of stepped away from the building to as receive he, them you know as they come up yes and so toe cutter leans over and he and he asks that wagon grease rat says yeah he says was it here and you pointed out that he calls it a wagon yeah he doesn't refer to it as a van <laughs> yeah okay so let's Let's um, look at this really quick for a second. Um, my instinct is to call it a station wagon, but you called it a van because technically, since it doesn't have any back seats, it's a van. Mm-hmm. But that's more of a classification. So I went along with you on that, and I've been calling it a van, but I, I, I'm going to switch back to calling it a station wagon because in universe, those people consider it a station wagon. It's the same reason why I'm trying, and I know that I'm not doing very well, but I'm trying to call a truck a ute. You do a much better job than I do. Because in this world, that's what it's called. It's called a ute. It's culturally appropriate. Yes. Well, it is culturally appropriate to call this a station wagon. So, I know I will be more successful at using the term station wagon than using the term ute, uh, but I'm trying. Mm. So, I'm going to go back in my notes and cross out all the times I wrote van and rewrite wagon. For all of the minutes we've already recorded. Yes. That is your prerogative. I will not stop you. <laughs> if it makes you that happy, it, it can't be that bad. does. <laughs> and don't get me started on that statement. <laughs> I won't. I won't. <laughs> so, a toe cutter asks if the, the wagon was here, and the grease rat says, Sure, sure, a couple with a kid. I was just fixing their tire. And... No, you weren't, sir. No, yeah, you were you not were fixing their tire. pretending to fix the tire. Yeah. Don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. You were not <laughs> picking, You were not fixing that tire in the least bit. No. Thank you very much. But he seems really quick to offer up who the people were and what he was doing for yes, them. Yes, and you are very suspicious of that. I'm incredibly suspicious of the grease rat, and I have to wonder if he knew ahead of time... That Toe Cutter's gang was down there and seeing this young, attractive mother wanting to go off on her own if he didn't suggest that ice cream shop because he wanted to lead her into a trap. I am open to that idea. Mm-hmm. We we never see the Grease Rat again, correct? No, we do. We, oh, we see do? the Grease Rat. Oh, that's rat right. I remember that. Okay. Several so times. We might get some more insight later on down the road, but I think that that is a valid point. Yeah. I'm incredibly suspicious because he's just... Well, for one thing, he's greasy. In the crew commentary, they talk about, like, just taking a bucket of grease and just dumping it over the actor just to make him look... Yeah. ...just covered in the stuff. And, I don't know, just the combination of how he looks versus how he talks, just his general demeanor, it's very suspicious to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Very suspicious. I don't trust him one lick. 
Absolutely not. It reminds me. Okay, I'm going to go full nerd for a minute here, okay? So I listened to another podcast called Star Trek The Next Conversation, where they analyze, they review, I should say. It's less analyze and more review. Uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode by episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was watching the next episode that they're releasing coming up. I was I was uh, watching the episode. And it's from season one episode, I can't remember what number, but it's the one called Data Lore, where Data meets and assembles his brother, Lore. And Lore is a bad guy. If you if you know Next Generation at all, you know that Lore is a bad guy, and this is his introduction. And he's actually, he conspires with this entity that feeds off of organic matter. He conspires with this entity to deliver the Enterprise to the entity like a gift. And I feel like this is like the exact same situation. Like the Grease Rat has delivered Jesse and Sprague to the gang like a gift. Mm-hmm. And Lore was was expecting to receive payment in the form of goodwill. And I can absolutely see... Grease Rat expecting the same thing. Yeah, expecting not to be harassed by this gang. Yes. But <laughs> he doesn't seem like a very good ally because of his talkative nature. And in fact, Toecutter, you know, asks who this young couple with a kid was. And Grease Rat goes off on this tangent talking about how they left their tire behind. And Toecutter's having nothing of it and just grabs the Grease Rat <laughs> by his gigantic nose. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And that was improvised. That was not in the script. Yes. Everybody was tired of listening to Grease Rat talk. Mm -hmm. And it's great to hear in the crew commentary because they bring that up as a great moment of improvisation by Hugh Keysburn. Yeah. And it's it's nice to see Grease Rat finally just quieted. Yes. For sure. I like that an improv moment fit in so well with toe cutters persona mm-hmm. we've talked a ton about nonverbal communication and power plays and this was both it, it was just mm, it was perfect yeah and, and that, that and that brings us to the end of the minute wraps us up so we are officially one hour into mad max yes we have a little over half an hour to go we are like two-thirds of the way through yeah that's crazy yeah we've been doing let's see 60 minutes two months well, no, five episodes, so it's 20, so three months. Yeah, we've been doing this for a solid three months. Three months. That's as, as a long time. It is. But, I mean... But we've been having a blast. But yeah, we've been having a pretty good time. I say it's a long time, but then I think of like Lord of the Rings Minute and how it took them an hour just to get to the Council of Elrond. Yes. Like, we're an hour, and we are well along the path to the climax of the movie. Mm-hmm. We've gotten through a lot of the business of the movie and we're heading down the final the final the final moments heading straight for them. Yeah, we are nearing the the precipice point where everything is going to topple and then Max is going to just lose his cool. Yes. Like he is going to become mad, so to speak. Yes, very soon. But yeah. So we're just going to take this weekend to relish the fact that we've been doing such a good job. We're going to pat ourselves on the back and be all self-congratulatory and (laughs) whatnot. And uh, we'll see everybody on Monday, I guess. In the meantime, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 60. 
Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and leather men Take me to the end of the dream Hold on tight, so it's your feeling